0: Good morning. This is Jaffe Lee, Public Information Officer and Preparedness Planner for the Florida Department of Health, and this is Feigler Health Matters. In the book, Wake Up Grateful, The Transformative Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted, author Christy Nelson provides a groundbreaking exploration of what it means to live gratefully and bring awareness into every moment, every day. When 33-year-old Christy Nelson was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, her entire perspective changed. In Wake Up Grateful, Nelson describes how this wake-up call helped her reframe her existence as a gift full of welcome surprises and love, teaching readers how to similarly transform their mindset and daily practice of living. In this empathetic and heartfelt story of Nelson's journey, reckoning with her own experience as a survivor, Nelson walks readers through becoming fully present by tending to what matters, embracing a curious nature going beyond one's comfort zones, and open oneself to the fullness of the life that is already in front of them. Brimming with introspective prompts and guiding practices, Wake Up Grateful is the complete guide to becoming present in and thankful for the life we've been given. Welcome to the Feigler Health Matters show today, Christy.
1: Thank you, Jaffe. I'm so ha- happy to be here with you.
0: Can you speak about how your own experience with cancer woke you up to Grateful Living?
1: Hmm. Sure. It was 30 years ago now when I got incredibly sick um, and was ultimately diagnosed after about nine months with stage four lymphoma. And then I went through about nine months of treatment and... That just left me, it left me exhausted, but it also left me ripe for just appreciating the life that I had because I didn't know how much longer I was going to get to live. And I had been in the hospital for so long and enduring treatments for so long and everything that every bit of freedom and every bit of beauty that I had and every way that my body worked, it just struck me as miraculous after that. and. I I just was in such a grateful place and then the longer I lived the more I lost touch with that. Mm-hmm. And so I realized, oh, this is something that I have to train myself in, like this is something I have to reconnect with is gratefulness can be learned and practiced. And so how do I get myself back there and how can I help other people get get back get to those same kinds of feelings? It's why I wrote the book, really.
0: And it's a beautiful book. I'm I'm halfway through it, and I plan on giving it to other people. That practice of gratitude that you're talking about is so true. How do you articulate the difference between gratitude and gratefulness?
1: Mm-hmm. So important. So gratitude really hinges on things being just right and us getting just what we want. And we're accustomed to expressing gratitude and feeling gratitude as a reaction to something good going on, good happening. And it's wonderful when we feel grateful, but it's very conditional and highly fleeting. And it's very tied to circumstances. So it's hard to recreate. You know, you have, to, you have to do a lot of things to make sure that life goes exactly the way you want it to go all the time. And basically, you could never leave the house or never do anything. I mean, it's really hard to be grateful all the time. And yet it's so good for us. And so one of the things is this idea of gratefulness is really a state of being grateful. It's an orientation to life from the inside out. It's not a reaction. It's a proactive approach to life. And in that proactive approach to life, we can be grateful more unconditionally. We can be grateful for the fact that we can breathe, that we have bodies at all, that we're alive today, that we can move, that the sun rises and the sun sets every day. You know, it's like that... If we can tie our gratitude to those kinds of things, then we can be grateful in every moment, even if we're not grateful for everything. And that's the distinction is, I think it's hugely important to make those, make that clear distinction because we can't be grateful for everything. So how can we be grateful in every moment? And I think this is, the recipe for that is taking nothing for granted, If we take nothing for granted, then we will live in an awareness of all that is our good fortune, all that is working, all that is blessing our lives.
0: What a beautiful philosophy. And the book does such a a great way of. Um, showing that distinction, just as you described it. Um, You have spoken about grief and how it can lead people um, to live a more grateful life. How do you Mm -hmm. see grief and gratitude connected? Mm
1: -hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting because I have, you know, I lost my mom while I was writing the book. She, She passed away and it was really sad and, um, and so there's one thing which is that you know we grieve the things that we treasured the most. We we grieve what we appreciated. We we grieve the loss of what we cherished. And so if we can stay connected to that cherishing and that treasuring, I think it it connects us in a way to a kind of grief that keeps our hearts open as opposed to closing down in anguish or despair, you know. And I think living gratefully, we live with our hearts wide open. And so, of course, we're going to encounter grief. But the thing that comes up when you ask that question is really, for me, about COVID. Hmm. I think in COVID and during, so during COVID, especially in the beginning, and then all during it, and then even now, and I think that we have lived in a kind of collective grief for all that we've lost. Hmm. We lost, and we lost a way of life that took a lot for granted, actually. We We lost things that we realized we hadn't really actively treasured because until we lost them, we didn't know that they mattered so much. Like, oh, I can't leave the house. (laughs) Oh, I can't be with people in person. Oh, I can't. So I think there's something about that kind of grief and connecting it to what it helps connect us to what we really value, really, right? So there's a way to, it's a little bit of a twist. But it's just a small twist to be able to see it as, oh, my grief points me to what I really value. If I'm grieving the loss of something, it's because it really mattered to me. And so I think COVID did bring us into a collective grief about all that was lost during that time. And then what I hope is that when we come out the other side of those kinds of experiences, we're actively treasuring those things more, right? So that we actually learn from it to say, oh, I can do this now, I can be with people now, I can enjoy these freedoms now and not take them for granted again.
0: Yes, and and exactly what you're saying, it it helps me to think about not getting stuck in that place of grief either, because you have a way to to dig yourself out by staying in the moment mm-hmm. and focusing on the gratitude and having that appreciation just for even the small things like you're talking about. And then with that being said, then you are pulled out of whatever that grief may be. And COVID is such a great example because it affected the whole world.
1: Exactly. We were all in it together. Yeah. And and I think even if you, you know, one of the things I want to say about gratefulness is there are people who say you can't feel gratitude in any negative emotion or any hard emotion at the same time. And I think that's silly. I think that you can feel grateful and also feel really tender and you can feel grief and you can feel fear and you can feel, it's just that if we can hold our hearts gratefully open to the things in life that we treasure and cherish, then we have a balance to all the things that are also so hard. And the world is filling us up all the time right now, the headlines and everything with things that are so hard that I think we also need to fill ourselves with the things that bring us delight and wonder and joy, the things that we're grateful for and not apologize for that. We need it in order to be able to deal effectively with what's hard. Yeah. that makes
0: sense? It does. Yeah. So yeah. for Thank anyone you. who's listening, um, just jumping in here, I have author Christy Nelson on the phone with me, and we are talking about her new book, Wake Up Grateful, The Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. Um, and it's such a beautiful book. It really is something that's going to offer somebody a, almost even like a tool to me yeah. being <laughs> halfway through it. Um yeah. And with that, you know, I have one last question for you. It's, it's the five yeah. principles of grateful living that's outlined in this book. Um, everything mm-hmm. is surprise. This idea can be frightening to some, but um, tell us a little bit about that concept.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's really about staying open to a sense of wonder, that, that life is mysterious. And we don't know what's going to happen all the time. And anybody who's planned something and it didn't go exactly as you expected it to knows that life is surprised. You know, we, we're not in charge of everything. And it's not worth being vigilant. It's worth being able to kind of let go and allow ourselves to experience the things that aren't expected. And even though some of them may be difficult, there's also so much beauty and kindness and love. And amazing things that are waiting for us in that being open to surprise and staying curious about those kinds of things. And, and it helps us to be resilient to know that that's the truth about life. So I think we get very stuck in the idea that we can control life and that it's a liberation to let go Yeah. in some ways, you know?
0: Yes. Oh, that exactly. So Wake Up Grateful, The Practice of Taking Nothing for Granted. Christy Nelson, author, mm. thank you so much for taking the time. And thank you for the book. And I, I plan on making this book a gift for other people that I find important in my life.
1: Thank you, Jaffe. It's really a guidebook for life, a guidebook for well-being. So, Thank you for that.
0: Thank you. The Florida Department of Health Flagler wants you to know that your Flagler school student is eligible for a no-cost eye exam and no-cost glasses, if eligible, in partnership with Florida Hyken Children's Vision Program, LLC. This annual no-cost eye exam is offered to every Flagler County school student who qualifies to participate. Parents and guardians of students pre-K through grade 12 can apply now by visiting www.floridahiken.org. That is spelled H-E-I-K-E-N. Registration is required. The statewide Florida Hiken Children's Vision Program mission is to ensure that all school-aged children who do not pass their vision screening have access to a comprehensive eye examination, including dilation and in glasses if required, to give them the best chance at academic success. These no-cost services are offered statewide, and the Florida Department of Health Flagler, in partnership with Flagler Schools, is proud to bring this program to you. Apply now by visiting www.floridahyken.org or call 386-313-7069 for more information.
1: Dear Miami Lighthouse Hiking Children's Vision Program,
2: I am so glad you gave me these glasses.
0: I can see better now.
3: Now I can copy from the board without making any mistakes. I can see very clearly with the glasses. Thank you.
0: The second part of our show today, I am happy to be here with Marvin Hall, biological scientist for the Florida Department of Health, Flagler. Marvin, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Um, Just tell me real quick, Marvin, a little bit about what it is that you do as a biological scientist for the Florida Department of Health.
2: Oh, well, uh, my job consists of investigating communicable diseases uh, that are reportable in the state of Florida. Uh, responding to any kind of outbreaks, uh, any active surveillance, uh, working with our uh, medical providers, ensuring our community is healthy as possible.
0: Marvin, it's been wonderful working with you. We've worked together for less than a year, but you have so much in terms of growth really shown a knowledge for what it is that's important for Flagler County residents to know because there are many different diseases out there that have to be tracked traced and you've just really done a great job we're so lucky to have you on our team
2: thank you so much
0: today we are talking about a disease that's in our local arena in terms of happening in the community and marvin i'm going to go ahead and let you tell the listeners what that is that we're talking about today
2: respiratory cynical virus or also known as rsv
0: Thank you. It's a virus that causes the common cold and other respiratory signs or symptoms to start to um, affect a person. Um, and there are children that have this disease affecting them, adults as well. And you're going to help talk to our listeners today specifically about prevention because the Florida Department of Health is very big on prevention and this RSV can be prevented in different ways.
2: That's correct. Uh, first thing I do want to add that is uh, RSV is not reportable, a single case in the state of Florida. However, if we are seeing uh, multiple cases or clusters or outbreaks, that does uh, cause for investigation.
0: Very good. Um, so what are the signs or symptoms of RSV?
2: So RSV consists of symptoms, usually of, of cold-like symptoms, uh, runny nose, congestion, a cough, Um uh, Young children can exhibit uh, irritability, uh, lethargy, um, and even uh, bronchitis, uh, wheezing, and pneumonia, some of the severe symptoms as well.
0: So very much signs and symptoms of other things that could be affecting them, which is maybe an important reason for testing.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, There is a test that is available out there. Uh, You do want to talk to your uh, medical care provider uh, for that test. Uh, Just seek out medical care as soon as possible.
0: What is the incubation and contagious periods for RSV?
2: So RSV has incubation period of as low as two days, but it can go as long as eight days. On average, you're looking at between four and six days. Uh, When somebody is uh, contagious, uh, looking at a time frame to shed this particular virus between three and eight days, uh, usually beginning a day or so before signs or symptoms appear.
0: And how is RSV spread?
2: Good question. Uh, Contact with droplets uh, that form when the child talks, coughs, or sneezes. Uh, That's the the primary way something like this is is, uh, transmitted. Uh, These droplets can land on or be rubbed into the eyes, nose, or mouth. Uh, Most of the large droplets do not stay in the air. They usually travel no more than about three feet, and they could fall into the ground. Uh, so contact with any kind of these uh, res- respiratory secretions from or objects contaminated by children who carry RSV. Uh, they can even live on surfaces for many hours, uh, usually around 30 minutes or more on hands. Uh, and even before signs of symptoms appear, the infected person starts to shed the virus that could possibly infect others.
0: So an idea of keeping surfaces clean and sanitized is going to be important as we go through this period of time with RSV. Um, Also knowing that um, toys need to be washed and cleaned and sanitized as well. Basically, surfaces that are high traffic areas, I mean, that can be doorknobs inside of your car, steering wheels, just paying attention to those surface areas that could be cleaned or sanitized.
2: Yeah, um, people may say you're a germaphobe. Some folks may say that, but it's it's not a bad thing. Uh, germs can be uh, a lot of places. So it will be a good practice to make sure that those high-touch surface areas are addressed and sanitized on a regular basis.
0: Some of what we're talking about now is controlling um, RSV or how to control it. Do you have any other um, good advice on that?
2: Well, um, we find most cases of RSV... Uh, within daycare centers and uh, sometimes in uh, schools. Uh, so we, we do focus and do primarily talk to those particular facilities to ensure that the uh, staff and, and uh, um, administration are able to teach children and caregivers to cover their noses and, uh, and their mouths when sneezing or coughing with a disposable facial tissue, uh, if possible, with an upper sleeve or elbow, if no facial tissue is available in time. Uh, teach everyone to just remove any mucus or any debris and perform hand hygiene right after using facial tissues or having contact with mucus to prevent the spread of disease by contaminated hands. Uh, Although the separation of children, ill children um, in daycare settings is, you know, probably not, not practical. uh, There are still measures, infection control measures people can do uh, just to make sure that folks are safe. So hand washing facilities on, on site, uh, hand sanitizers that are available, especially before and after any activity involving food or touching the mouth, nose, and eyes. And just keep keep in mind that areas, once again, high-touch areas are sanitized uh, regularly
0: good good point yes especially as we go into the season and you know in general for just hygiene like you said surface being cleaned sanitized high touch areas and then leading us into a conversation about hand washing and how important it is to hand wash but to properly hand wash the florida department of health always is putting information out about how proper hand washing is so important and we're going to play a little clip about that
3: now Hand washing should take you about one minute. Use a timer or count from 1 to 10 in each of the following steps. Wet hands with water and apply enough soap to cover all surfaces of the hands. Let the water run smoothly to avoid touching the tap later on. Rub hands palm to palm to obtain a good quantity of foam. Then rub right palm over the back of left hand with interlaced fingers and vice versa. Rub again palm-to-palm with fingers interlaced. Rub the back of your fingers to opposing palms with fingers interlocked, repeating this action for each hand. Rub rotationally left thumb clasped in right palm and vice versa. To clean the tips of the fingers, rub rotationally backwards and forwards with clasped fingers of right hand in left palm and vice versa. Rinse hands thoroughly with running water. Dry hands thoroughly with a single-use towel. If the tap is not elbow-operated, use this towel to turn off the tap without touching it directly. Your hands are now clean and safe.
0: Now, for some people, they may say, I don't need anybody to tell me how to wash my hands. But... The importance of doing the hand washing correctly is part of the process that may get overlooked, you know, a gentle like I just put my hands under the water and ran some water and used a little soap and then touched the faucet and didn't put the paper towel to the faucet. I mean, all of it is very important. There's a process that can really help. And I even learned something by watching um, the video that we just played because the interlocking of the fingers as you wash your hands, a full 20 seconds up past your wrists, all of this is really important because if it's worth going through the process as an adult, um, to make sure you're staying safe, then the idea is to even teach it to children how to hand wash properly for them, because it's important that they learn, too.
2: Absolutely. Um, I even had to ensure that my child, who's seven years old, that she washes her hand properly on a daily basis, after, after she uses the restroom, uh, before she eats, uh, things of that nature, uh, just to make sure that she is ensuring that she is healthy moving forward.
0: The um, ideas that we have about washing your hands as often as possible, even if they look clean, and just like you said, Marvin, after using the restroom, coughing or sneezing, after cleaning up with a child who has maybe gone to the restroom, after touching books and money, and also touching doorknobs, high-touch surfaces, preparing food. That's a big one, too, you know, making sure that your hands are properly washed before you cook for yourself or others at home, before eating, and then also after petting an animal, somebody that's in your family, because we consider most of us, you know, our pets are our family, too. But making sure to wash your hands properly after that is all important as well. This hand washing information is always available on our website. The Florida Department of Health Flagler has a very intense and um, informative website. And on that website too, Marvin, your information is there as um, the epidemiologist for anyone that would need to call after hours. And I just want to put that phone number out if there is an epidemiology situation after hours, rabies, measles, foodborne outbreak, there's a number that can be called, and it's from 5 p.m. to 8 a.m., and that number is 386-986-7749 for anyone that needs to report something to the Florida Department of Health. Also, you have a link on your website that is very important. It's a sign up for the CDC Han email updates.
2: Oh, Absolutely. AHAN stands for the uh, CDC, which is Centers for Disease Control, Health Alert Network. It's basically CDC's primary method of sharing uh, clear information about urgent public health incidents. Uh, so um, things that are going on now that will that will impact our community uh, that are urgent, uh, there is information that is sent out through this uh, particular network. So please take a look at the link. Uh, you'll find great information there uh, regarding any urgent public health threats.
0: Also, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, that link will also allow, let's say, a practitioner in the area, a medical provider, a doctor, if they want to stay up to date on the CDC information, they can subscribe through that link that you've provided on the website. Is that correct?
2: That's absolutely correct. They can sign up uh, through this network, through this link uh, to receive um, regular emails and updates regarding uh, any kind of urgent public health matters.
0: In closing, Marvin Hall, um, talk to us a little bit more about the RSV signs and symptoms and what to do if you are experiencing any of those signs and symptoms and how to report.
2: So um, once again, uh, so cold-like symptoms, runny nose, congestion, cough, or even fever, these can be very um, similar to other type of infections, whether it's the flu or it just could be the common cold. Uh, however, if they are severe symptoms and they are consistent, uh, you definitely want to seek medical care as soon as possible. Uh, call your healthcare care provider, uh, visit the ER if it's that severe. But once again, make contact with the healthcare provider if you're having symptoms at all, uh, cough, congestion, runny nose, things of that nature. Uh, as right now, it is uh, we are very much so ramping up the flu season, uh, RSV season. Uh, so RSV season, I'm sorry. Uh, so it is, it is very uh, important time to make sure that we are staying safe. The
0: Florida Department of Health Flagler is always there to answer questions as well. And then Marvin, your website uh, provides an email address for anybody too to get in contact with you if you wouldn't mind putting your email ad- address out there for our listeners.
2: Absolutely, uh, Marvin Hall. That's Marvin M A R V as in Victory, I N as in Nancy. Dot Hall H A L L at F as in Frank, L as in Larry, flhealth.gov, G-O-V.
0: It's been great having you on the show. And it's really wonderful that you took the initiative to get that link on the website for those CDC Han email updates. I think that's wonderful information for Flagler County to have, and it's very much needed. So I encourage anybody who's listening to subscribe as a practitioner or a medical provider, um, because it really helps in our partnership with the Florida Department of Health. It helps you so that you're getting the correct information out, and it allows practitioners to read and know the information that they need as well.
2: Yes, we want our community to, be, to stay up to date on any urgent public health matters uh, as best as possible. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to be here with me today, too. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. This has been another edition of Flagler Health Matters. You can find past episodes of the show at flaglerbroadcasting.com slash podcast. And please give us a like on Facebook. I'm Jaffe Lee with the Florida Department of Health. Have a great weekend. Are you looking for a new career that will offer growth, learning, and the ability to help your local community? Look no further than the Florida Department of Health Flagler in Bunnell. We are hiring. Working for the state of Florida is more than a paycheck. We offer a total compensation package for employees that features a highly competitive set of benefits for qualifying jobs, including annual leave and sick leave, nine paid holidays, state group insurance coverage options, including health, life, dental, and vision, retirement plan options, including employer contributions, tuition waivers, flexible spending accounts, and more. Are you looking for a job in the dental field? We're hiring. Are you looking for a job in the business sector? We're hiring. Our positions start above the current minimum wage. Go to jobs.myflorida.com and search for jobs today using Banel or 32110. Again, that's jobs.myflorida.com and find your Florida Department of Health Flagler job today.